0: I don't know if you guys know this, but I bought my house from a contractor, a developer who's in the church. He's actually here tonight, he's on duty. And um, he took me to a house in the wilds with a view of um, Woodland Shopping Center onto Plastic View. And he said, This expansive view, as I showed him my picture of the beach, I said, Don't sell my house on a view, my mate. (laughs) (laughs) Because this is the view I've come, I haven't come here for a view, I've come here for a church. So I bought the house, and um, now I love the church. I still look over Plastic View. So tonight, as um, <clears throat> we've gone back to Romans, we went back this morning, for every lady who had a low top, they are running for cover. We're going to be dressed in um, turtleneck shirts next week. <laughs> we asked every woman to put her breasts on the altar, and I wasn't quite sure what we're going to preach on tonight. I thought, like, maybe um, put your voice on the bra or something like that. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what, (laughs) but I I mean, you, you wouldn't know what I was preaching on. I mean, you weren't here this morning. So we're preaching on Romans 12, and if you don't believe me, you can go and read it. It's just my paraphrase of it, but it's not far away from that. It's basically stop messing around and gossiping and using your sexual organs for pleasure. just sacrifice them to God and put them on the altar and live out God's ways. Amen? So we've looked at grace, we've preached grace so much that some people have left the church and told me I'm a liberal theologian and I don't believe in the law of God. No, I don't believe. Jesus fulfilled the law, but I do believe we have to obey God. And so we're going to go into that in the next few weeks. But actually, this African queen walked into my home today. And um, we were in a, in a conference in, in um, America. You know, conferences are like going to a dentist without anesthetic. It's like we're really worth Jesus. But after the third speaker, you think, I can't do another conference. I, I, I've, I've heard everything that you can say about anything to everybody about anything. But we're sitting in a conference, and at 2 o'clock, half past 2, you know that? Mahis fall, workies too. You, know, you, know, you know that thing? Uh, she like my wife me. And somebody said, there's a couple from Izal that feel like God is moving them on. And it's Elliot and Dolly Sanjika, and and I was wide awake. And I raced to Dudley, who's our leader, and I said, Dudley, that Zulu couple, what about if they joined us in Durban? He said, it'll be the best move you ever make in your life. And I I learned how to love black people. (laughs) And I got loved by the first black man, Elliot Sanjika. He loved me, and he loved Clint. And they loved us and they, lifted their, and they looked after our children. And I'll never forget Elliot Sanjika preaching. Eh? One day, young people, listen to this. He's a senior man in God. Eh? He actually started as a herd boy in a Zulu village. And he used to teach us about when his dad used to send him to collect honey. And he had to walk into the crags of the mountain. He had to fight off the bees. He would get stung. And then he'd collect the honey and he'd bring it home. He said, when you prepare the word of God, it is like that, people. I don't just stand here. He said, I've been into the mountains. I've been stung by the bees. And he said, now I've come back, young people, to give you the honey of God's word. And people would start to listen. And then one day he just started to weep. The tears just started to pour down his face. And he said, young people, in five minutes of stupidity, you can lose your life. He said, in five minutes of stupidity, you can lose your life. I'll never forget that. Everything went quiet. No law, no judgment, no condemnation, just the love of a beautiful Zulu man who had been up to fetch the honey. He came down to share it with his people. And God took this herd boy and he grew him up into a man of God. He went to Bible college. Dolly lived in Rustenburg. He used to get on his 125 CC motorbike from Isil-Gaweni. That's three hours south of Durban. He used to drive to Rustenburg. Do you know how long she took to say yes for marriage? <laughs> Girls, treat them mean, keep them keen. <laughs> Twelve years. Twelve years. 12 years, oh, said, can you you marry me now? Just a little bit longer. I want to see if you're committed to me or not, my boy. 12 years, friends. 16, they met 28, they got married. Never slept together. Never slept together. 12 years of dating, honoring God. And God sent them over to America, stayed with a rich family, a family that owned 600 homes. A Zulu herd boy who found the call of God, found his picture as the son of God. He could go into any home and hold his head up high. And he went to the home of a man who owned 600 homes. And they stayed there together. And he said to the man, you don't know Jesus. You need Jesus. And on the second day, he led that man to Christ. That wealthy, multi-million dollar, he led him to Christ. God used a man from Izigulwene in the villages of Natal. To lead a property tycoon in America to Jesus. And then a little boy was left on the side of the road. They called him Tulani, the quiet one. He was left on the side of the road. He was taken to our orphanage. We went to visit the orphanage, and God dropped that little boy into their heart. And they adopted him, and he was called Elijah. He looked just like his dad. On the 29th of November last year, he was sucked into the sea. And to this day, he's never been found. And in our presence today is the wife of Elliot Sanjika and the mother of Elijah and one of the greatest godly faithful women I've ever met. We love you. We love you. You have taught me more about Jesus than most people. Will you come and teach us about how God has helped you through this incredibly difficult time?
1: for this wonderful opportunity of sharing my story of God's greatness. Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. I'm standing here today because great is the Lord. And um, sorry, Rod and Mel, I also want to honor you tonight for, from my side. I want to thank you. Um, even when the time we joined at Ridge. Um, it was an amazing journey, just working with you, the way you loved us. And you never felt made us feel any different. Like we joined the team. I remember sharing this. I'm going to share it now, sorry. I remember sharing this in the eldership team and saying that for the first time, um, to be in an all-white team, didn't feel why uh, black. I felt love. I felt you you've been a brother, a real brother and a sister to us. You've loved, you're talking about loving um, people, you've loved everyone, irrespective of their color, irrespective of their background, irrespective of anything where how they lived in their homes, you have been amazing. And you have you telling us we taught you you taught us a lot about love about generosity there's a lot of things that i can say i can carry on and on thank you for being a real brother to us even when um we went to okay i'll say tell this story later i don't want to go ahead of myself but i want to thank god that um He gave me about 32 years of beautiful marriage with my husband, and it was an amazing marriage. Godly man, family man, and he loved everyone that he met, everyone. He connected to everyone that he met. And we worked together, we traveled together to many different uh, countries, and like Rod was saying, and... Into Af- up uh, North Africa, we we went and um, just saving this great king together. And there was something with him that that he had. His heart was to preach the gospel, was to to see people getting saved. Um, that's the kind of man I, I I married. You know, we'll be sitting one one evening. We were sitting. As a family, we heavy, were having supper. It was lovely. We have a daughter that is really funny. And she was joking and we were laughing. He was also laughing. It was a beautiful evening. We were going... ah, And then the next thing, I see him sitting there. In the midst of all that, I see the tears going down his face. And I said, Hi, Bo. And now, what happened, love? He said... I just want to see people getting saved. That was his heart. And then he went to Namibia. It was the time uh, when it was time of COVID. And he said to me, I feel I need to go to Namibia. It doesn't matter or COVID or no COVID. I want to go and preach the gospel. And he went to Namibia. When he was in Namibia, um, he... I think he got covered there, and then, and then he came home. I'm cutting the long story short. And he came home. When he came home, he was home for five days. Namibia was the last country where he preached the word of God, and he preached seven days, seven preaches. And he came home that Friday, and then the Tuesday um, we were talking. And he was telling me how God uh, worked in Namibia, how people got saved, how it was an amazing time. He was full because he did what was jumping in his heart. And then while we were, um, while I went, when I went to bed, I went to bed just thanking God. And we actually prayed together and I said, good night, my love, we'll see you tomorrow. And I went to bed, and I was feeling, I was thinking he was getting better, because that time he was talking, because I felt um, he was better. Even the cough went down, because he was coughing a lot. And then the following morning, it was another story. It went very quickly. He went to be with the Lord. And now my story is, when he was lying down there, and... I'm sorry, I'm going to be vulnerable to tell my story. Um, When he was lying down there, he couldn't talk to me. I shook him, and I felt, Lord, is he not going to respond to me anymore? He's not going to... I can ask him anything, but he will never respond. And I felt like... That something was, was ripped off me. And I felt like my world has come to an end. I have been preaching the word of God. and But that day I felt my life has come to an end. I had a pain, a deep pain. Excruciating pain. And this is something that you can never ex- ex- explain to anybody that hasn't gone through what I went through. It was very difficult for me, and I really thank God for, for the for the family of God, the church at Hilton. Um, as Rory, um, Clint was explaining, they walked with us, and I thank God for for you. I know Rory being our, our friend and my brother, that I said I know she, he told you. And I know you prayed for us. Thank you so much for praying for us. And, and it, it's been amazing what God has done with me through this journey. And I want to encourage also the elder, elderly women. This is very important that what God has said in his word, that elderly women are there to teach the younger ones. Let us be faithful in that, in teaching the younger ones to honor the king with their lives and their families. I have a mother, and my mother loves Jesus. I do love Jesus also. I'm committed to him. But that time was a dark time of my life. I was in the night. It was midnight. I felt it was midnight, and my mom was sitting with me on my bed that day, the wailing, on a deep, the time of my deep wailing session, you know, and she says to me, uh, my girl, you know, um, even if we can wait, she said it very, you know, kindly, and yeah, and she she said to me, you know, um, he's going to be with the Lord. The one he served so passionately. And he is fine. And you know that he will never come back. I knew that. But I didn't think that, you know, the way where I was, the situation where I was. And she said to me, I have a, 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 a hymn book next to my bed. She said to me, can you take that hymn book? Let us worship. You remember Paul and Silas when they were in jail? Like, oh, how am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? I'm going to read that scripture that, that really helped me. When she said, he, she said that to me, I, I thought of that scripture. But first of all, I cried out to God. I said, Lord, I remember David when he cried out to God. He said, Lord, please open my lips and my, and my mouth will declare your praises. So I cried out to God. I said, Lord, help me. Please open my lips so my mouth can declare your praises. It says here in in Acts 16, verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrate ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. I felt stripped and beaten emotionally. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. I felt I was put at the back. As much as I loved worshipping God, it was the midnight for me that time. I couldn't lift my hands up. And what she did, what my mom did, she showed me that I need, she reminded me something that I knew. That I need to move my eyes from my pain, but I need to lift my eyes to Jesus and worship Jesus. She said, she said let us worship. And, and I started worshiping God. We worshiped and we worshiped and we worshiped. Um, I felt God loosened. As I was worshiping God, you know it says here in verse, about midnight, as they were singing, they were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, There was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison was shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. As I was worshiping God, I felt my chains come loose. I was sitting on the bed and I worshiped with my mom. We worshiped probably over an hour. God brought healing upon me. I felt God touch me. As I lifted up my eyes to him and worshiping him, he touched me and healed me completely. And I thank him for that. He is a great God. Great is the Lord. But what I love about it, when we allow God into our lives to work in us and avail ourselves to change us, there's something he does. The chains didn't only fall off Paul and Silas. They fall off everyone that were there and watching them and listening to them. And you know what happened? The jailer, the jailers had changed. Because when he saw that great is the Lord, the prisoners were all in jail. They were all, lo- they were all in jail. But when the prison doors opened, they were still sitting there. You know, in South Africa, you wouldn't find any one of them. But I think maybe there would have been one naughty one. There's always a naughty person in the crowd. There would have been a a, a naughty one and he tried to, there's a chance, let me escape. I think the Lord just could have grabbed me. Hey, Wena, I want to see my power here. This is my, I'm showing my power because I'm the great God. No one is going to move here. This jailer might see my power. And what he did, because he saw the power of God, he went on their knees and he says, says What must I do? to be saved. People will come and and receive Jesus. People will come and cry and want us to lead them to the Lord by seeing the wonderful works that the Lord does in our lives. If we avail ourselves to him and allow him to work in our lives. He is the great God. Nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is too hard for God. What he did for me he can do for everyone else. He is a great God. There is none like him. And after five months, like my friend was saying, Rory, my brother, after five months, my son went down the south coast and then the, what, that, what, he told, told the story that he was taken by the riptide. And I felt God say to me, we went down with Lauren and Dwayne and other people from our church. And we were down there, the South Coast. Actually, um, my brother here and my sister, they offered us a place down there as a family. Because we're going to stay there to, to be there and look for that week. So they gave us a beautiful place down there and just spoiled us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, our family was there and we looked. But the amazing thing what God did with me on that day, when we were at the beach, we looked and we couldn't find anything. And in the afternoon, you know, I was sitting, we were sitting, all of us, Lauren, Dwayne and other people, we were sitting down there by the, by the um, beach. And I felt God say to me, you know what? In your pain now, your second pain, you know I have taught you something. You don't go back. You don't go back. You walk with me because I'm holding you. I'm holding your hand. He said to me, Worship me right now here by the beach. And you know what he gave me? The song that he put in my heart was, He is Lord. He is Lord, he is risen from the grave, and he is Lord. Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I think God was letting me know that he is still in control, irrespective of my situation. He's still Lord, he doesn't change. He is still God. He still reigns. And I sang there, I sang the song, they all joined us, and we sang it. He is Lord, He is Lord. sang that song, and I, from, from that time, I went back home, and the, the, we were there for a week or so, and then I went home, and I was praying, my prayer all the time now was, Lord, I need closure for my boy, I need closure, we needed to find. sorry. needed to find my boy, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed closure, please Lord I need closure, I need closure Lord, I need closure Lord, I need closure that was my prayer and one day I was in the room in my room by myself and uh, I was kneeling on the floor and I was asking him for closure and he caught my attention right there he said to me, you haven't me, given me this thing. And I said, oh, Lord, I've been talking to you about it. He said, no, yes, you've been talking, but you're still holding it for yourself. You haven't given it to me. At that time, I knelt down and I, I lifted up my two arms like this. I said, Lord, Lord. I give you the closure of my boy. I hand it into your hands. And I'm telling you, when I did that, I felt the peace of God come upon me that time, alone in my room. I felt God gives me the peace that is amazing. I felt him restoring my joy in an amazing way. And I felt him say to me, I felt him say to me, I've got this thing now. It's not yours anymore. And uh, I felt him say to me, if you, you walk out here, you, free, you walk in your freedom with the joy that I'm giving you right now. And then when you ask me, when you used to ask me before that, before that encounter with the Lord, when you ask me, has your son been found? It would be so painful in my heart. I would even have tears about it. But when you ask me now, was your son found? I said, no, he wasn't. But God knows where he knows everything about him. It's not my thing anymore. That's his. I'm living with the peace that the Lord has given me. Don't I miss them? I do. I miss them a lot. The Lord has healed me. My husband, I always I miss him in, a, in the way that the things that we used to do together. When I see something, sometimes we will talk about the things that he used to do and we we'll laugh with the children because we know that he's in a better place. But I will I, he will go somewhere to minister without me sometime um, and I, I will be missing him so much when he was still here. I would be missing him so much, but, but I knew that he was going to come back home. I'm trying to explain this thing of pain. I would miss him, but I had no pain because he was coming home. But God gave me the healing and touched me. He is the great God. I know that because with the hope that I know that one day I will see him in glory. I'm going with that hope and I'm worshiping him. He's given him that that thing of worshiping him all the time. And that is my way of, of, of life, that I'm worshiping him. The devil wanted to take it away from me, but the Lord said, no, I'll give it back to you. The Lord is good. There's a scripture that I want to end my testimony with. It says um, um, in Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. It can only happen in Christ Jesus. If you are not in Christ Jesus, you won't be able to get this peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And God gives you a people around you. If you have been hating, please don't stay away from people of God. We cannot do it without God and you cannot do it by yourself. You need the people of God to love you and surround you and, 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 and love you. And God will give you victory. You will only get victory through Jesus Christ. There's a hymn, the old hymn, that says what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer.
0: Sit for a moment. Come come sit closer. (laughs) Tell us quickly about Elijah forgiving. Elijah was abandoned on the side of the road, maybe like some of you have been abandoned. And uh, he forgave his biological mother. Tell us that story quickly.
1: Yeah, I was in the kitchen one of the uh, days with him. Um, he could have have been 10, 11, somewhere there. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember the age correctly. But um, the week before that, we, we visited uh, Glenridge and there was someone speaking there. Um, and uh, he spoke about forgiveness. And then we went home for that week. Um, while I was in the kitchen, I was busy in the kitchen doing my work, and I, and he wasn't the boy that you know the boys that don't cry that easily, that they don't. He wasn't the boy that just cries out of nowhere. So um, I heard I heard him crying, and it was from deep inside. I, and I asked him, "My boy, what is happening? Why are you crying?" She said, he said to me, Mom, um, God challenged me about forgiving my biological mom. He said, um, well, I didn't know. When he, I only knew when he told me that. That I, all this time I have been asking myself, when my mom left me on the side of the road, why did she leave me? Did she not love me? So he was living with that rejection that God and the the mother didn't love him. So he said, um, but God challenged him to do that. And when he realized that, he said, um, God showed him that he needs to forgive the mother because God has given him a, a second chance in life. He had to see things the different way. That God gave him he didn't he saw God gave him a family, but this one that he had been abandoned was the big thing in his life, but he said, "God showed me um, that he 's given another chance, and he 's given me a family, a good family, and I was grateful to God, and from that time, I said to him, My boy, when you forgive that when you start living, if you don 't forgive you 're holding yourself." You're not holding holding that person you're holding a grudge against, but you're holding it against yourself. You're holding your own life. But now you're going to live a life of freedom, and God is going to start using you. And God started using him in an amazing way. He went around talking to young people, telling his story of adoption in such a grateful way that God... um, gave him a second chance and, um, and gave him a good family, that telling it like a story of adoption, referring to our story of adoption into God's family. It was a powerful testimony wherever he was going and telling the young people that however your life starts, it doesn't determine how it's going to end. If God has a destiny for you, you will reach your destiny in God
0: if you can focus the camera on this bottle if you've been to any shop you would have seen this thirsty water bottle this company was started three or four years ago because a man spoke to god spoke to a man about this water company and uh, it's done so well He's got four sons, they all work together. The Bible says when brothers dwell together in unity, God commands a blessing. It's so a Hodson family, an incredible family, a remarkably wealthy family. They own trucks, they own aeroplanes. And when Elliot died, Lawrence Hotson just made a phone call and he said to his pilot, fly to Joburg and pick up Elijah, bring him back home. And so he just sent his plane, picked up a little guy and brought him home. When Elijah got washed out to sea, he phoned his pilots and he said, you just search the sea until you find him. You know, sometimes you can just pick up a bottle of water and you don't know the story behind it. But behind this bottle of water is a man who's got airplanes who makes them available to families that are hurting. You know, every one of us has got something. We might not have airplanes. We might not have water companies. But we've got something. We've got time. We've got testimonies. We've got a cell phone. We can take photographs. We can do something. In this room are men and women that have lost. Children. I'm not talking about aunts and uncles. I'm talking about children. Parents. Marriages. Businesses. Loved ones. You know, Dolly, I must have phoned the NSRI a hundred times on the south coast asking if they had found your son. And one day the man said to me, he said, Mr. Dyer, there's a man who lost his son 25 years ago on the same beach. And he lives in England now. And every single month he phones us, Mr. Dyer, and asks us if we found his son. He said, you have to bring this thing to an end. You've got to bring it to closure. And tonight we're going to bring some things to an end. We're going to bring them to closure. God sends people. Sometimes by plane, sometimes by car, but he sends them sometimes from Rustenburg. Sometimes he sends a Zulu man to a property tycoon in America. Sometimes he just sends the African queen to 3CI. Because tonight, we're going to do business with God. Tonight, we're going to close some things. We're going to stop phoning the NSRI. We're going to give it to God. If that is you, I want you to come to the front. I want you to kneel down. And I'm going to get Dolly to pray for us.
1: Please can you follow me as we pray? Father. Father. I come to you tonight. I lay everything at your feet. Help me, Lord. I cannot do it by myself. I lift my hands as well as a sign of surrender. Take everything, Lord, that is worrying me right now. Take the pain away from me, Lord. I pray that you help me take it, Lord. Help me, Lord. I cry out to you, Lord. You are the King, and you are powerful, God, and nothing is too hard for you, Lord. I know you can do it for me right now. I give it to you, Lord. I give it to you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for healing me right now. Thank you, Lord, for helping me. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Father, can we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you minister, Lord, into their hearts right now. Minister, Lord. I pray, Lord, to give them freedom, Lord, tonight. We pray for complete freedom. Lord. Lord. There is nothing too hard for you, Jesus. We thank you, Father, that as they come here, as a surrender to you, oh God. They are crying out to you tonight, Lord, for complete touch and freedom. And Father, those that have been holding the grudges, I pray, Father, they let go. I pray that they will forgive Father, and that they can start living the life that you have intended for them, Lord. We pray for that, oh God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.
0: Let's pray this. Do not be anxious about anything. Let's say together, do not be anxious about anything. But by prayer and petition, present your requests to God with thanksgiving and the God of peace, the God of peace, the God of peace, which transcends all human understanding, will guard your heart and mind, your feelings and your thoughts, your guard your heart and mind in the knowledge and the love of christ jesus the god of peace which transcends all human understanding will guard your heart and mind in the knowledge and in the love of christ jesus